A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there. What's this then? A bonus episode of the Square Ball Podcast. And this one is ported over from the Extra Ball, isn't it? Hello, it's Dan here, by the way, and I'm joined by Michael. All right. So some weeks ago, we spoke to John Howe about Ellen Road because the man has quite literally written the book. A good book as well. Do buy it. Yeah, and that one is out again now, the the second edition of that, the updated edition, which reflects Bielsa being around and uh, winning the EFL title and all that, and also a look ahead to the future of what the development of Ellen Road is going to look like. And in this one, though, we do get back into the, the history of it and uh, some good moments in this, which I think you will enjoy. So enjoy this bonus podcast on the Square Ball feed. And buy his book. Of course, buy his book. It's available now. And I think he gives details in the recording of, uh, of where you can get that. All good bookshops, I think, is the saying, isn't it? And the squareball.net. Yeah, if you want to get one signed by John, he will sign and personalise a, a copy for you. And I think he, he hand delivers it in a tutu, doesn't he? Something like that? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, COVID regulations, never mind that. Yeah. Well, enjoy our chat with John Howe. And we have with us John Howe, author of The Only Place for Us, an A to Z of Ellen Road. Got it in one. Thank you. The book's getting reprinted, reissued, an updated version for, for 2020. So we're going to talk about that today because we thought, given that the, the 49ers have come on board recently with the extra shareholding in Leeds United and rebuilding Ellen Road seems to be kind of right at the forefront of their ideas, we thought, what better way to approach this than to boot Moscow off the show and to get you on and, and talk about it because you are the man who wrote the book. Well, yeah, you've been down to do that for, for months, I can tell. Moscow, we've had enough of Moscow prattling on about his book. He's, he's, sold, he's sold that thing enough. He's had his time. First thing I want to do is start off with an apology on this show because I texted you yesterday and bearing in mind our studio is just off Ellen Road within the shadow of the ground saying, do you know how to get here? And then it occurred to me this morning when I was on my way, it was like, he's, he's coming in to talk about a book about the very area that, he, that you're on about. You well, the, the actual address is not a familiar address, I guess, but, um, but yeah, I know all the little nooks and crannies around this area. To be One of the big revelations for me was, is Islington. We're in Islington, uh, a long since forgotten, disappeared area of Leeds that basically backed onto or even incorporated Ellen Road itself. If you are to look at the old ordnance survey maps, mm. um, you know, echoes of, of Arsenal in this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people say that. It's, it's odd because, I mean, I mean, until I researched the book, I didn't I didn't know that either. But um, probably late 19th century, I guess it was, um, there's a lot of migration of workers from London and uh, there's still a, an area called Little London in Leeds. Um, and this was another similar enclave, I think. Um, so it's called Islington, but it's, it's pretty much disappeared off the map now. I think it's still used in planning purposes. There's a road sign, there's a photo of a road sign in the book where it's 
just down the Jive to the um where they it's called Islington Junction or something. Um but other than that there's nothing. Um so it's another little nugget of information that most people won't know. So the book release date, it's slated for the, the 1st of March. It's the updated version for 2020. First one was done five years ago, so there's a lot to go at, new stuff in there. Um, if you are listening to this before the 1st of March on the regular podcast feed and it's already out, it's because it got brought forward at the minute. But basically, you've got a lot of books that have been printed. <laughs> Haulage is a bit of a challenge we gather in, in the UK. Yeah, I think the, I think as far as I know, the books are like in a trailer somewhere in Dover. Um, stuck behind some rotting fish or something like that. So <laughs> when you get it, if it stinks faintly of mackerel, that's why. Um, but um, hopefully, yeah, they're winging their way to the warehouse where the, where the publisher is. So um, it's a bit of a fluid release date, but we're, we're aiming on 1st of March and we should, should be able to meet that, hopefully. Well, my biggest testament to you, I think, with the book is that I sat down to flick through the um, the preview of the updated version that you sent through to us. And I was going to just have a look. I thought I'll have half an hour just before bed just to catch up on what's changed, what it looks like. And I was still sat there at one thirty in the morning, <laughs> completely engrossed in it. It's it's an absolutely brilliant read for any Leeds fans. Can definitely recommend um, you get your hands on it, which we are selling it on the Squareball website. If you want to get it personalised, by the way, you can um, yeah. get it at the squareball.net. And it, are we doing an All Good Bookshops um, plug? Of course, of yeah. All Good Websites and um, probably not Amazon. Try and avoid that one. If you want. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to. Yeah. Because, because we've got no opinion on Amazon. <laughs> No. Now, back to the book. Um, and it did two things for me. Number one, it made me really, really miss Ellen Road when I was flicking through it, obviously. And the other one was that it made me a lot more at peace with the idea that the San Francisco 49ers are going to come in and demolish a load of it and, and rebuild it. Mm. How, how do you feel about that? Because we're doing this kind of around that time that the 49ers have come in and a big building project seems to be right in their wheelhouse. We've seen what they did with Levi Stadium. Uh, in California, and I mean, let's face it, Ellen Road does need updating, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the first thing you think of when you hear that American owners are coming in or investment, you sort of worry that, you know, Americans are, you know, quite an imbalanced nation, shall we say? Is that fair? <laughs> uh, you know, 70, 70 million people vote for Trump. But I think, um, and, and also the, the 49ers, I mean, they're on their third permanent stadium, I think, and they've only formed in 1944. You know, they, they've moved twice and are now, Based fifty miles away from San Francisco, so that's a little bit of a worry. But um, you know, the, the the thing that was quite reassuring this week, I think, was that um, Ellen Road was central to how they sort of promoted this, this investment, and it was the first thing they thought they were talking about in terms of developing what's already there, and you know, the training ground and this community hub that's been built on Fulton Park and things like that. So, yeah, I'm quite relaxed about how they're going to go about, you know monetizing everything and, and moving us to the next level because Rajasthan talks about the club needing a new skin and you immediately worry about that because um because we fear change in Yorkshire. We, we fear change <laughs> and you know the change that they've already tried to instill has not been particularly successful. Um but I know exactly what it means. But the, the worry is that, you know, at the moment we've you know I'm quite not quite said goodbye to the old leads, you know. I'm <laughs> you know still got unfinished business with Leeds United as it is. So you don't want to see it changing until we can get back in and, and see it change, if you know what I mean. So, um, but I, I know exactly what they're talking about. And, um, and and the fact that there's no suggestion whatsoever that, you know, a US franchise is going to come in and move as lock, stock and barrel somewhere else, that there's no suggestion of that. So, um, you know, you've got to be quite comfortable with it at the minute. The stuff they have over there in the stadium, things like you can order 
food from your phone and stuff like that. I mean, imagine getting a meal deal, a meal deal to to your <laughs> yeah. seat, a pint and yeah. crisps or whatever it is. Just just if the bowels didn't run out before kickoff would be nice, you know. Let's take it one step at a time. One of the things that you love, Michael, that you've always said is is how kind of piecemeal and thrown together Ellen Road is, and that's one of the things that I've taken from the book is. It, a lot of it's been done kind of on a wing and a prayer when you think about kind of, you know, bloody the porter cabins that are the South Stand executive yeah. boxes, the foundations for the, the southeast corner that sat there for, what, 20 years or something daft mm. like that. Yeah. Um, that it is kind of all cobbled together. The uneven roofs, yeah. um, like in the northeastern I was and just north, mention northwest that. I mean, corner is brilliant. I love it. Both corner stands don't match the cot roof, even though they were built afterwards. You know, the, it was like the perfect opportunity just to, just to join it all up and make it all sinuous and, and nice um, but they they didn't for whatever reason um, I love that and I don't suppose we'll ever see that in a in a redeveloped stadium unfortunately that's the thing we're likely to see just a sweeping roof line that all makes sense and is beautiful to the eye and is that what we want Ellen Road to be attractive make it deliberately bad I've said this before make yeah. it make it look uneven there's I'm a sure way of doing it I, I wonder with the West End when they redo it I, I'm not quite sure where, what way they should go on that architecturally I'd kind of like to see a bit of a throwback to how it looked the, the original pre-banqueting suite version if they could make it have some sort of echoes of that with the old signage and everything yeah. I think it'd be quite a nice touch but I dare say we'll get some some glass and I think they chrome. will do that because the corporate side of it will be incorporated into the stand rather than just joined onto the back like a stick of Lego like it is at the minute <laughs> um, so yeah they, they, they could probably do that um, although I don't suppose there'll be space to sort of walk behind the back of it um, as, as you can now but uh, but yeah, the, the facade would be nice to see back that sort of regal entrance that we yeah, have. Yeah, I mentioned that to uh, to Angus Kinnear when we spoke to him a, a little while ago. I said, could you maybe do a nod to the to the blue entrance? Because that's another thing I ended up really lamenting when I was uh, looking through the book. Because there's there's photos in the book of the blue facade being constructed, which I absolutely adored. Because mm. to me, it was always a relic. Uh, but to see it kind of being built and you know Bricky's putting up the turnstiles on the west stand, I just it just it makes your heart leap in that nostalgic way. Yeah, and it's all still there. The the the, the windows, <laughs> you know, I've I've mentioned this quite a lot to people when we talk about Ellen Road, just for the fact that, we, yeah, you, I mean, I'm I'm watching the uh, the Tottenham uh, Amazon documentary at the moment, um, and you look at that stadium and it's a billion pounds and everything, and you compare it to ours, and we've still got single paned windows that <laughs> have been there since nineteen at least nineteen seventy in the corner where I where I sit, but the rest of the West End, you know, since the nineteen fifties and. I don't think there'll be any other stadium it probably in the top two tiers that have got that kind of feature. Um and it's it's just wonderful. The northeast corner mm. from the outside is one of my favourite bits of Ellen Road, where you can see people having pints through the window yeah. as you go up to it. I don't know why I always really like that bit of well, it. it's got that concrete sort of brutalist seventies architecture to it, um, which is just look very leads uh, in terms of the city as well. Um so we just say that I I think of Ellen Road in the same way I think of the Evening Post building, which is obviously since gone, yeah. in that I kind of acknowledge they're both fairly ugly, but I also didn't want either of them to go. Like I, I quite yeah. liked the Evening Post as much as it was. Yeah. I mainly drove past it and went, "Christ, that's a dinosaur!" <laughs> <laughs> and but when they got rid of it, I was like, "Oh, don't, don't get rid of it. That's the, <laughs> yeah. that's the Evening Post. You got to keep that." I didn't mean that. <laughs> it's like that. People lamented the Lowfield Stand, and when the East Stand was built, and that's you not know, twenty-seven years ago. And um, but you know. If that Lowfields that was still there now, we'd be an absolute laughing stock. You know, it, it looked bad enough then. But I mean, I remember going in it as a as a kid. I, I won't say toddler, but I think I was under definitely under five. And my one of my earliest memories is running up and down the back of that stand because they yeah. built like the, the the food outlet was at the back, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and, and it was just so dark and like satanic right at the back there. But <laughs> it's funny how I've, I've retained that because it felt old then. So mm. I, I can't imagine what it would be like now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've. I mean, unfortunately, you've got to move on, and I think people understand that. And we've we've had a lot of time to enjoy the West End and <laughs> find peace with it moving on. And I think you know. It, Various regimes have talked about it over the years, and it's you know it's been dying a slow death really. So I think it's time to time to move on with the West End. I don't know really what the plans is for for the. I mean, I see the northwest corner, so don't quite know where that fits into whether they'd sort of extend that as well. They probably would do. Uh, although I don't suppose you can do that until you build the coppers. But I've um, I've got a feeling on that that what they'll do is they'll start with the west, but with a view to it joining on on the south and the northwest corner. Yeah, I think they'll yeah. do the lot. So even if we don't get that joined up sense immediately, you might get a new bit that stops before they redevelop the cop. But you yeah. get the sense of the way that they were talking in the press conference anyway when they when they announced the um, the extra shares being purchased was a new stadium. It's not just some new stands, it's a new stadium. So my my conclusion from that, just a personal one, might be wrong, is that they're going to do the lot probably. Um, yeah. Maybe leave the East Stand, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the lot come down overall over a course yeah. of a number of years. Yeah. Build one, move the capacity over there and then keep going kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it'll have to be piecemeal like like, like the modern stadium is, you know, uh, that was developed over 15 years with a big gap in the middle and that kind of thing. So there's no other way of doing it, but it's like whether that's conducive to maximising income in, at the same time and the Premier League don't like, it's all about the visual product with the Premier League, you know, so they won't want a building site as their sort of global... Yeah. image if you know what I mean so that, that might come into it but I don't know how else you could do it but. I mean flicking through the book last night one of the things that I think I knew this but it was being reminded in the book that the west stand it finished before it got to the, the northwest corner and they had to extend it that yeah. way because obviously when the pitch moved 18 metres over the course of a, yeah. a few years towards the new cop in the, in the 70s was it 74 it was built the new cop I've lost track of the, the 68 68 sorry yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so they gradually moved the um the pitch up over the course of like three seasons, wasn't it? Yeah. Nine metres and then another nine metres. And then suddenly you've got this gap at the end of the old West Stand. So even the West Stand that we see there, the original West Stand is not all the original West Stand. There's yeah. the extension as well. It's like in the, the original West Stand had the tunnel in the, directly in the middle, but now it's almost in the, the goal mouth. There's a South Stand. So that shows it quite clearly. But yeah, half about a third of it is well, well relatively new. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In that it's not 1957 yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. As old as me, basically. And that's the thing, you know, when they build the, the new West Stand, which is inevitably going to be the one that goes first because they want the corporate. I mean, let's follow yeah, the money yeah. on this one. It's going to be the corporate, yeah. isn't it? Do you want the tunnel on halfway or do you want it wonk, slightly wonky? Keep it wonky. Keep, yeah, definitely keep the wonky. away fans not looking at the pitch. That's why I say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you get to pay the top price to look at the South Stand. Yeah. That, I mean, that's another thing I was thinking the other day because um, if you go to Anfield, for example, that, that new stand. Is virtually all corporate, and I, I don't think there'll be many paying fans going into the, our new West Stand. It'll be mainly, uh, mainly corporate and and you know package deals for one day trippers and that kind of thing. But what do you do with the away fans? Uh, I think you'll still have to stick the away fans in there because they uh, they're building a new um, a new tunnel to enclose from the. Uh, there's going to be a co- coach park on Fullerton Park, and so it's like an easy access for away fans. So. So it sounds like away fans are going to be permanently or semi-permanently in, in the West Stand for now. So that doesn't quite fit in with the sort of corporate image of this new this new stand. But I think you're right. They they'll be, they'll build more boxes in the West Stand, and you can maybe take the boxes out of the South Stand, so that becomes bigger. 
that might be all the space they need in Southstand for now. It's hard to say. Off the to- uh, sorry, I was going to say off the top of your head, can you remember what the original capacity of the Southstand was? I did note this down last night, but I've since It's about 7,000, I think 4,000 upstairs, 3,000 downstairs. It's a big stand, isn't but, it? Yeah, yeah. But it's been, it's been terracing uh, for a couple of periods as well. But yeah, it was this, uh, without the boxes in it, there's a good photo in the book actually of it originally without before the boxes went in and it's a decent size you know yeah it looks grand it, again yeah. it makes me nostalgic yeah just on the away fans is Ellen Road usual in the way it's moved away fans around over the time it feels like normally there's a, a more set away end at ground <clears> whereas <throat> it feels like they've been in the low fields in the south in the cheese wedge in the west it feels um, like we've we've kind of dotted them about over the years I think there's various other, I'm trying to think of other examples in the away grounds I mean Everton Everton used to be behind the goal and now it's on the side uh, Villa Villa also was like that so probably not, but yeah, I know what you mean. It's been a bit nomadic um, at Ellen Road because they had the cheese wedge and and where should they go? Well, you, you t- I think I think um, to answer that question is probably related to the three thousand stipulation of the Premier League, isn't it? So yeah. now it's um, a proportion of capacity up to three thousand, whichever yeah. is lower, isn't it? So you're yeah. never going to get more than three thousand. So as long as you've got a dedicated three thousand area for seats, then that's where they're going to stay these days. I think. Yeah, I, d- I don't like them being in the West End. I must admit, but I, I think it probably is the the best best place maybe we stick them in a new southwest corner or something like that because that's one area of the ground I've never seen a stand and that'll that'll blow my mind when that finally happens yeah that's true yeah but again the west stand um, like we were just talking earlier about um, you know that that end of the west stand you've got a better view of of United Fisheries than uh, or Gravely (laughs) should I say uh, than than the, the match itself you know so I don't think I'm not sure if that'll ever be able to to be able to change that bit. Mind you, it's been so bad over the last 15 years, prior, pre-Bielsa at times, that you, you could just sit there and gaze off and imagine you were somewhere <laughs> else, couldn't you? This was a big thing about um, about when when I was asked to write the book and or rewrite the book. I, I sort of read I read through it for the first time in six years and <clears throat> the, the main thing I needed to change was just to make it less downbeat because it was written in sort of 2013-14, which is like the, the sort of arse end of the GFH um, Chilino kind of era and it's like you were cashing in on the feel good factor yeah, in exactly, those days yeah and uh, almost every every section was just depicting this really miserable existence and <laughs> you know Ellen Road not being a nice place to be and reading it in 2020 you know didn't reflect how it how it currently is you know so I had to not just rewrite things factually but rewrite the the sort of experience to sort of reflect how it is now to be honest yeah I, th- I think you've done a really good job with that I think you've got it right on the money um I was saying to you before we started recording that I think there are nice sprinklings and nods to 2020 and, and what's happened in the last couple of years um even right up to the talk of the, of the redevelopment of the West End I think you've done a really good job with that it's, it's just really nicely executed yeah I mean that the, the the cover changing the cover was a bit of a bow and a contention because I didn't really want to do it. I mean, it's, it's the old cover, the original cover is a classic photo, but I was never quite happy with how it looked. Um, you know, the the four floodlights from a distance. It's, yeah, it's, no, it's the, at night, isn't it? So it's a black yeah. cover with like a, this glowing thing. Yeah, in the so it doesn't look light. quite as spectacular as, as it should do. Um, so I wanted to sort of change that, and I thought, well, let's let's have a bit more of a contemporary cover, um, which cynically does appeal to. Um, you know, a younger generation of Leeds fans who <laughs> may be newer, uh, we don't know. But it, yeah, it's, it's more of a sort of a, an up-to-date cupboard to make it a bit more, less of a nostalgia trip, if you like. But, you know, the, the content of the book has still got plenty of nostalgia in it. So. Mm. It's strange with the update how one of the updated pictures is this sort of dystopian Jack Harrison celebrating in front of some cardboard cutouts. Yeah, it's weird yeah. to think back to when you did the first one that that would, if, you, if someone could have shown you that image from the future, you'd have been thoroughly confused by yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You? Yeah, I mean, that's why... I, I, 
you know, just writing about promotion wouldn't necessarily make sense, but I, I had to write about promotion as a completely unique way of doing it in front of empty stands and with cardboard cutouts, because that'll hopefully never happen at Elland Road again. And so it, it had to feature in the book from, from that stand, that standpoint, really. So, so yeah, I wanted to get a photo of, of the crowdies. I, I, I nearly had one of uh, Alioski clapping the crowdies, but I went, for that, <laughs> I went for that one of Jack Harrison because it, it was just a, quite, a, quite a funny picture, really. Let's talk floodlights then, because actually, as you know, Sod's Law would have it, they've put up a million and a half quid's worth of floodlights before <laughs> you've, before this, uh, this, well, since this photo was taken, that's on the cover, sorry, um, which doesn't have them in, but there's a beautiful sort of dual quality to the lights all facing the camera. So you're going to have to mm. send a photographer before this um, hits the shops or for the third edition <laughs> yeah. with, with the new floodlights. Mind you, we'll have a new West standby then, won't we, when the third yeah, edition? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I actually just managed to get a photo of the, flood, the new floodlights in because I had a deadline, I forget when it was the end of October or something. And I knew the new the new diamond floodlights were coming, but I didn't know when. And there was a delay with it. Um, so I referenced it in the text because I knew I knew what they were going to have. Uh, they were going to look like um, diamond floodlights and stuff. Um, but they actually fitted them in the week before my deadline. So I thought, well, I've got to get a photo. So I went down and took a photo. And um, the the designer who was doing the layout of the book was like, bloody hell, you know. We've- <laughs> I've changed the layout at the last minute kind of thing. But um, so I just, I did manage to get a photo, which was quite important. Speaking of the floodlights, again, going through the book, I, I found that the fourth floodlight, that the one that went in in the southeast corner, mm. went in last. Didn't really need it, did we? No. It was because the other three were so bloody bright. Yeah. That it covered off all the all the lighting requirements, but it was done mainly for like aesthetic reasons. Yeah, I think, I mean, again, it would, you know, I, I, I'm obviously too young to remember it as three floodlights, but... Um, Another inelegant in, in element of Elland Road is they had three floodlights rather than four for I think four years, um, but yeah, they were spectacular for the time. But obviously, they wouldn't wouldn't be any good now. I think you'd have to you'd have to upgrade them anyway. So. When did the fourth one go in? It was quite late, wasn't 78. it? Yeah, seventy eight. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say it was, quite, it was later than you realise. They were obviously trying to develop that southeast corner at the time in seventy three when they went in, um, but they ran out of money, so they just thought, oh, we'll just put the fourth one up. And and that, and that corner didn't get developed until '91, and they built uh, the southeast corner, so the cheese wedge. If you could bring back one old element of Ellen Road, would it be the floodlights? If you could, if you could sort of transport in a piece from history, possibly, yeah. Either that or the facade, the West End facade that we were just talking about. Possibly, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a toss up. Difficult, isn't it? Cause I ne- I never even saw the big floodlights. I was a a family stand man when the East, when the magnificent new East Stand came along. That was my. First yeah. experience fell on road, so they were gone by the time I arrived. So. It was one of those things you could, you know, make a joke in the book about sat nav. You know, you, you knew where you were in Leeds when you saw it. You could see them on, from any sort of angle in Leeds, anywhere you were. You thought, picture, you can work out where you are. I so. mean, cause for me as a kid, one of the big thrills was always if we came in on the motorway was to drop down the M621 and when you first see them, it's it's almost like when you were a kid going to Blackpool and you saw Blackpool Tower. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it, I've seen it. And, you know, there's a competition in the car for whoever saw it first. Similar sort of thing with with the floodlights, Ellen Road, just mm. having your heart leap as you head down the yeah. hill. Yeah, and now it, they're gone, but you still see Ellen Road. Of there's course. still a glow. Yeah, I mean, I live quite close to the ground, so I, I see the glow of the floodlights, and it's quite nice. So. Um, one other thing that I really, really liked discovering in the book was uh, people might be aware, might not be, but there is a well under the pitch in the north west corner, mm. so just outside the penalty area, and there are some great comedy photos of the groundsman. Was it in the eighties or nineties? Up to his sort of chest height, in stood in this well. That yeah. gives you a sort of idea of where the the top of this well head is. It's maybe what four or five feet under yeah. under the pitch. Um, but it's a, it's a big old thing. It's it's maybe what five six feet across this well. It's a it's a proper brick yeah. structure that goes down 
right into the ground. And that's a relic of um, the pits that were around Ellen Road. Yeah. So there were, as it says in the book, functioning pits sort of. So if, you, if you're aware of where the railway line is near Fullerton Park, a lot of that was, was coal pits, wasn't it? There and right around yeah. the ground. And It was also rhubarb fields for a long time. Um, but yeah, there were, there were various pits dotted about. I mean, you can't imagine it now because it's all completely developed, but... But yeah, um, and then these wells was the water to serve serve the pits. That's where they drew yeah. the water from the ground, wasn't it? A lot of yeah. it. And and when they moved the pitch in the twenties to orientate it the way that it is now, ninety degrees, it meant that one of the wells there that was originally behind um, on the north side of the ground, out of, off the pitch, was actually then under it. Yeah, yeah, and I think it actually got covered up by the cop when they built the original cop, and then they they when they excavated that to build the current cop, it sort of they discovered this well and they. I think that they, they, they did use it to walk the pitch for a time. Um, John Reynolds, the original groundsman, he, he used to use it, but they don't use it anymore. But um, they've, they've still got access to it. Yeah, they're saying that the, the water was too cold, wasn't it? And it kind yeah. of killed all the grass. Cause, yeah, uh, yeah. But is it Keel, Keel um, Barrett, who's the um, yeah. the current groundsman, who's saying they've got tanks under the south stand? Again, another thing I never knew, um, tanks under the south stand where they store all the water. Yeah. And they can pump this stuff go flick a switch at the side of the west stand next to the pitch and it'll pump a load of water into into these tanks because yeah. they've still got access to it but don't use it because it is clean enough to drink. They tested it, didn't they? They said it's yeah, clean, clean enough think, to drink. I think you need to get a license, like the environment agency, you need to get a license to abstract water from it or something and whether they've still got that license, I don't know. But but yeah, technically, I don't think the water is usable, basically. Um, and there is a, a story, an apocryphal story of somebody falling down. Because at one point, I think the photo in the book that you've got shows the well being uncovered when they're doing some work on the ground. And it was just like three metal bars over the top of this <laughs> thing. Um, and like a wooden, essentially like a wooden platform that was resting on top of these bars just to yeah. cap it off. Almost like, oh, that'll do. Um, and, you know, wood obviously rots under soil and yeah. when water goes through it. And there was an apocryphal tale that I'd heard of somebody actually falling into that, you know, during a game at one point, a leg going down into it. <laughs> There's a picture of Paul Reaney peering over it into it. But yeah, it, it, you can imagine that, you know, Don Revy might have sent some people down there as a punishment at some point. But, <laughs> but the the other thing about the well, when reading about, there's a whole section on wells. It comes under W because it's an A to Z. So it's a fairly short section. I, be, I was drawn straight to it because I love, I love this. This is what I like about Ellen Road. It's the little quirks and the foibles mm. of the place. There's a second well. That was the big revelation for me. There is a second well which currently resides somewhere under the south stand. Yeah, well, I've never, I mean, it's it's disputed. Whether there is or not, I mean, I think I put that in the book. It's not, some people say there isn't, some people say there isn't, but I, I don't know where it is. And I asked, I asked the groundsman about that, and he said, "Well, I have no idea." But um, you know, it's one of these things that might have been covered up by the South Stand when they built that kind of thing. But it, it would make sense because you know that that area was you know well used for for, for mining. So. I just love the idea that we've got all this this history under under our feet, and I think that's what probably makes me lament the changing of Ellen Road, it, it's all rooted in nostalgia. And I made this point to Phil Hay when we recorded with him recently, saying, I think I'm reluctant to see Ellen Road developed because so much of my childhood is still there in the stadium mm-hmm. as we see it today. Yeah. Even accepting the the building of the, you know, the magnificent New East stand, um, which I, again, like you, Michael, I, you know, sat in for years as when it was the, like the family stand. Um, it feels like so much of, of my like formative years have been spent in there between so you know, eighty-eight to, to ninety-two, mm. which was incredible, and then you know, rolling forward to seeing like people like Yeboah, um, and then the Champions League era, and it's not been so great since until recently. But even then, you know, you look back to it's your teenage years, your childhood, and you go, yeah. it was magical, and, <clears throat> and so much of what I see when I step into Ellen Road 
I think it's because it's it takes me back. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that sort of motivated me to do it, you know, a few years ago in the first place was looking at old photos and discovering what Ellen Road looked like when I first went. Um, you know, my first game was in 1978 and, you know, the, a, there used to be a cricket ground next to the pitch on Lowfields Road, which I think by then was like council football pitches before they built the industrial units that are there now. And I kind of imagined, bloody hell, I had no idea that was there then. And, you know, the, the car parks on Wesley Street, the bottom of Wesley Street, there, there was housing right up to those corners. And I found some photos of that. I love those photos. And I was like, yeah, yeah. That, that's what it looked like when I first went. And I think, you know, I wanted to capture that in sort of words and pictures. And I thought, well, everyone's got those, their own memories of whenever they started going. And it's important to sort of capture that. Um, and hopefully the book sort of does that for everybody in terms of, everyone's first game is, is a unique and precious thing to them. And there's something in the book that captures that for them uh, in terms of that's how it used to look and that's how it used to feel. Um, and it, it kind of becomes personal then for everybody and hopefully that's that comes across. Do you think the snapshot of Ellen Road on your first visits are always the version you prefer? Yeah, in a way. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd love to capture the, the excitement of those first few games when it, I, used, I used to go about once or twice a season at the time. And it was really exciting, and it and now it becomes not it's not it's not a chore anymore, but it becomes routine. It was it becomes, for a long time. Let's be yeah, honest. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm trying not to say that, but um, it, it it became routine and every day, and you, you get too familiar with it. And yeah, I'd love to I'd love to bottle that and and be able to experience that again. And and this is maybe the the only way you can do that. Really. Yeah, I did. I love those photos. There's the one that you're referring to is taken from the west stand facing towards the southeast corner of the cheese wedge before it was built. And it's just glancing through that gap yeah. and seeing the houses coming right down to Ellen Road. And because I, I think of Ellen Road and probably throughout most of my lifetime, I've always kind of viewed it as a sort of a, a symbol of, I don't know, post-industrial decay when you saw like the old haulage firm behind the, the cop just mm. basically laying in rack and ruin for years. And now obviously we've got the, the park and ride and seeing the West Stand as a relic of a bygone era. To, to me, West Stand equals John Charles yeah. because of, you know, selling him to, to basically part fund it. Mm. Um, and then the car parks around Wesley Street, just this this open expanse of kind of, it's almost scrubland, isn't it? And, yeah. And seeing, I don't know, just so much of it just just reminds me of, uh, of kind of decay and things falling apart. And I think that's one of the things we're going to have to get our heads around as they develop it is that it's going to look a little bit shinier and a little bit newer. Like it still jars a little bit seeing the photos of, of the park and ride because it's been hard landscaped. And I thought, yeah. oh, looks all right, that. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's fine. But I think to, it's really nice to capture that because that's one of the things that, that, that taking those houses down. I mean, a, a lot of them slums, the, the ones that came right down to the, to the edge of Ellen Road, or were they kind of not knocked, off. knocked down for the purposes of progress? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of them will have been empty for a few years, to be honest, because you know, the movement of people takes time, you know, in you know, building council houses elsewhere or whatever. It only happens over, over maybe a decade or so. But So I think a lot of them were empty for a long time and then demolished it because they were in, inhabitable. And that, and that and was another erosion, I guess, of... The community of Islington, which yeah. was which was there, which is now it's no longer a thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's quite a lot of social history. I mean, in the book, sort of tells a story and about how populations evolve and how communities evolve, and you know, the building of the M621 just completely obliterated so much housing and completely changed the identity of the area. Um, and I don't think there's been another example of that in Leeds, really. Uh, and it all happened within a few yards of a major football ground. You yeah. know, and it's just quite amazing. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I think that one of the things I found really stark was that there's a photo in there of... Uh, of Lowfields Road, which was built just to serve as a link road between Gelded Road at the top, um, where the garages and whatnot are now, and then Ellen Road itself, slightly yeah. further south. It was it was built for the purposes of, of the football ground. And yeah. Some wonderful photos of all the trams just lining up there um, to serve the football crowds, and it almost looked like a like a just a big Rome, like a Roman boulevard is what I want to say. And, and it's made me almost mo- like lament the chance to have that. Imagine having having a hundred statues down there of all our greats, kind of thing. And yeah. that's where they do the parades and stuff. And then in the middle, you've got this big bloody great brutalist M six two one. But then again, yeah. it's given us the tunnel. Yeah, exactly, Michael's tunnel. Wouldn't <laughs> be without that, would we? That's that's again one of those things I guess about your first visit to Allen Road because if you went to Allen Road before the M six two one, you probably hate that tunnel. But because it was mm. there when I first went to games, and my, my dad used to work for Yorkshire Electricity, so we used to park there and that's kind of up on Gelded Road. So we used to always walk down to the ground that way and yeah. used to buy a square ball in that tunnel. And it was it was as much part of the day as, as any of it, I think. And I think that's why I like the northeast corner because that's where I arrived at the ground and mm. you'd sort of see that on the way to the family stand. And I don't know, it was like, it's, it was all part of the stuff you would see. It's like I said about being able to see the people drinking in the, in the corner. Also seeing people sat overlooking the motorway with a pint from the wagon and horses. <laughs> yeah. Weirdly, that was like part of, I don't sort of like part of the atmosphere building and the mm. excitement of a of a match day and just feeling like there's something happening. You know, it's like when you go to away games that every ground has got a feature which you kind of remember, and and sometimes it feels a bit sinister as you're going as an away fan. And I've always thought the 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 underpass under the anti two one is is that because you go under and it's suddenly murky and it's it's echoing. That's because I've got my hard man reputation, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> it's scary. That's part of it, yeah. The troll tro- <laughs> under the bridge, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, what you did capture really well about the tunnel, I really liked, is um, not just referring to the tiles, but the sound under there, because it's got quite a low roof. You can just jump up and touch it, you know, yeah, if, yeah. if you're of a, at least a moderate height. I know you probably couldn't, Michael, but, you know, John's You'd probably, probably you. catch something, though, because it's full of damp. Being stood there many years selling the magazine, 
kids always try and touch the roof. It's, yeah. it's kind of it's one of those brilliant things. It's, it's, just, it's a rite of passage. It's isn't an it? instinctive yeah. thing to try and jump up and touch it. And there's like you get like seven year olds doing it. We're obviously about a meter away from doing it, but they still try. They're still, it still looks low enough. That one thing. day, and yeah, that, 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 yeah that. exactly. That, that day will come when they're they're a gawky teenager. Not, maybe not. Maybe not for me. And, <laughs> but, but they'll be able to do it. But but how it sounds under there as well, and that's one of the things that made me really like kind of lament the fact that we haven't been for a year. Mm. Was that it was a reminder of that? It's that really visceral experience because to me, I you know my childhood involved parking somewhere like around Latchmore Road and around one of those, and then just walking around the corner and there's, and there's the two burger vans. So for me, the smell of frying onions reminds me of Ellen Road, yeah. which is beautiful. Um, and then you know stinking sweat and and lager and all that kind of thing. But but yeah, it's it's the frying onions and then it, and then it's passing under the M M six two one and and hearing that just that change in tone of conversations yeah. that you captured really really well. It's in kind book. of like when you when you when you're going into the ground, you, you, you're in the outside, but that tunnel is like the conduit to the match day experience. So you go from outside to inside, if you know what I mean. So when you come out of the tunnel and Ellen Rose there, it's like, right, this is it. This is, it's like crossing, this is it's like crossing, it's a thresh, day. crossing yeah. the Rubicon, isn't it, in a yeah, way? Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. And, can, and on the way out, you know, you can hear everyone's conversations and you come out and suddenly it's like you're back in the outside world, you know, and it's like, well, what should we do tonight? So, well, do, you, do you think we will um, we'll feel nostalgic when we walk through that tunnel? And we see a rebuilt cop that's no doubt going to be bigger than um, the existing structure. Walking through there and seeing a more a more refined concrete, glass, chrome, whatever it might be, structure. Will it still make your heart leap in the same way? Because I draw parallels with Newcastle, and and their fans are really proud of their stadium and the fact that it dominates the skyline, and that's that's got the the, the wonky quality to it. And mm. um, they, they've got a real attachment to the even the new build. Do you think we'll feel the same about Ellen Road when you know the, the northeast goes and the cop goes and the northwest? They do a good job of it, and if we're successful, I think that's the two things that you, yeah. the two will always go hand in hand. It's like kits; you're obviously a good kits and bad kits by by sort of stylistic standards. But then a kit that you're winning is always going to be one that is remembered well. Mm. A kit that you finish fifteenth in, as good as it can be, you're never going to probably get retro replicas of that produced because no it's, one's asked about it. Yeah, it's like the extension on the back of the east stand, you know, um, slated at the time because it was felt it was diverting money in the wrong way you know um but if that if we built that now for example you'd think oh that's a great idea you know apart from the cladding apart still, from, not, yeah, still looking color, on the color i've got issues with the color yeah but you know. why was it doing that color was <laughs> there any know. were you able to get to the bottom of that i can no. i can only guess cheap yeah it was cheaper yeah. it was cheaper than gray or white oh, yeah because yeah. yeah. it's yeah. a gray and blue stand with some cream on it, yeah. it just seems a very Fainly beige yeah i don't know that's a good question what do you want a new cop to look like because it's important symbolically what they do with that stand. You'd say a single tier, wouldn't you? You'd definitely want it single like, tier. Like Spurs have done. I mean, it wouldn't yeah. be the same scale, I imagine. But even no. still, you, you know, you've got um, a bit of enough of a footprint behind it that you could build backwards there, couldn't you? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to stand sort of pitch level and look at the cop. Not actually that big. You know, yeah. it's not it's not that intimidating at all until you get people in it, obviously. Um, so it's not that impressive. But I think you could do it single tier. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to see that. At the very least, but just a big sweeping thing that's yeah, like that. Well, like I guess like Liverpool's for want of a, a yeah. better comparison. You just want one body of people. You don't want it to see it all broken up by gangways and stuff. There's so. a possibility we might be allowed safe standing in it by the time yeah, they come to true, redo yeah. it as well, which would yeah. be a nice. I think that'd be a nice thing to do. There, it's, it's an important conversation that I think actually that that needs to be had, isn't it? And and where mm. where we are in in terms of that legislation, because you know a lot of people stand anyway. In, Everyone in, stands. I mean, I've been in the cop for. 15 years now and I, I don't think I've ever sat down apart mm. from maybe the odd the odd league cup match where there's there's been like <laughs> yeah. 7,000 people in the whole stadium and you're like 
<clears throat> Christ, they just think I'm just going to sit down for 10 minutes, but you sit down at half time is what happens in the cup. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. And then the rest of the time, everyone is stood. So it, it just makes sense to put it in if they can. Hmm. If they're allowed, it, it, there's no and there's no reason not to really with the way it is now. It's not. It's no one suggesting going back to the old days of, of open terracing and the odd barrier here and there. It's it's still essentially allocated seating, isn't it? With yeah. the way the way it works, there's a bit of a lull in that kind of um, process at the moment because obviously no one's in grounds. But I think Man United had talked about doing it, haven't they? Mm-hmm. And Spurs possibly. So it would only need need one of those two to do it, and everyone will do it. Just going over to the other side of the ground, then opposite the cop, let's go to South Stand and, and Scratching Shed. And I really enjoyed just, you know, going through the imagery of, of turnstiles going from street straight into the back of the stand and the Scratching Shed. It's just a nice image that there's just not that buffer. There's no facilities. It's like, that's the street, that's the ground, <laughs> and that's the wall between the two. And that's the yeah, lots, that's yeah. everything. W- what do we do with the South Stand in terms of re- redevelopment? Because we saw that you know the pitch got moved 18 metres towards the cop end to be able to balance the two stands out. But as it's transpired, that's not quite enough. I mean, we'll get a lot of capacity mm. from a rebuilt West. Do you think they'll do the South as well? I'm not sure you could do it to the same level, could you? Unless you went across the road. Someone mentioned that, like Atletico Madrid used to have a stand that went over, bridged over a road and the road went underneath the stand. I think it's even a motorway, isn't it? I think, I think it is, yeah. yeah, yeah. But they've, they've moved stadiums now. They're not there now. So... Um, so there's a few planning issues with that, I imagine. You're block but, all the light from people behind as well, aren't you? That's the thing. If you've, yeah. got, if you've all of a sudden got a football stadium looming over your back garden, you might not be Yeah, but the, but the housing doesn't actually come that close at that point, does it? It's more businesses. The houses, there's only sort of four yeah, houses that are I right on the road. It would have an effect, though. I mean, there's houses behind the Peacock, and they're, they're not that far away. Uh, so it might have an effect on that. But, um, the but yeah. The subway and stuff as well. There's, there's all those houses on those streets yeah. just by that. So you might so. end up with like a Lansdowne Road effect where one of the stands is a lot smaller than the other. I mean, yeah. but like you say... City you, ground as well is a bit like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind that. I'd be fine with that because that would give it a little bit of a quirk. Even if they had a uniform roof all the way around yeah. and it just gave a little bit of variation, I'd, I'd be up for that. I don't know about you. Because like you say, I'm not sure they could do the... Co- if they do the West and the East together, uh, same height, I'm not sure they could do the cop as high as that. So... You wouldn't need to do the, the south as high as that either, but it's hard to say really. I wonder if we'd see sort of angular ends to, so, so maybe the west stand almost becomes like the northwest upper, if you like, you know, like yeah. it extends around in the, in the way, you know, where the Spurs new stadium kind of abuts up to that single tier stand yeah. um, and it's kind of just an angled extension almost of the of the upper tier. I, I, mm. I wonder if we'd see something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like we said earlier, it's, would you want to see it all one level and all nice and, nah. you know. Nah, keep the south as a bit quirky. It needs to have a bit of a peg leg in, in a way, doesn't it? You know, and it, it needs to be sort of pitched up and irregular, and you know, a white wall all the way around the pitch. That's what I want. Yeah, that's another thing that I've, yeah. I've taken out of the book. That's mentioned, isn't it? That that was yeah. sort of a, a retaining wall. That's it's one of those unique features of Ellen Road that I've always been aware that it's there, but I've never paid that much attention to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, there's a lot of YouTube videos being watched, and. um it's how I worked out what the, 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 there used to be a shelf in the middle of the low fields, like a really odd few. I always wondered about that. Yeah, yeah and I, I, never, I never worked out myself, but I realised that it was, it was only, wasn't supposed to be there. It was because they built a wall halfway round to develop the top of the, top of the low fields to, to match the corners. But it, it never happened like that. Um, so it wasn't supposed to be there. But yeah, there's, there's various features over the years, which, you know, you don't really know it's there. And then you realise why they're there and it's, it's difficult to know how much detail to go into. Oh, but but that shelf. I mean, I mean, I've lost hours reading about that shelf now in your book. I'm like, I'm flicking through. I'm trying to find more detail about it just to understand what it was because 
it always used to mystify me as a kid and for the benefit of anybody who's wondering what the hell we're talking about. So the back of the old Lowfields Terrace had a, a white wall that extended mm. into the, the northeast um, and the southeast corners, yeah. which was built later to create a uniform bowl so yeah. they could then develop backwards behind that wall. But there'd also been a wall built towards the front of the old Lowfields stand. Yeah. So there was kind of a this kind of, I don't know, this this nether region in between of, yeah. of maybe what a few, ended up as a few rows of seats and terracing, bit of a death trap really. Yeah. So there's kind of just, the, it was just like a little, almost like letterbox shape thing at the front of the old Lowfield stand yeah. that was kind of n- neither up nor down. Yeah, perfectly described to be honest. Yeah, and it's it was a, another beautiful quirk and there's some great photos over the years of that, of people stood in it or sat in it. Or it there was a little gangway in front of it as well, which I'm, I remember being in myself and it was literally a death trap, um, you know, in, in the days where no one was that bothered about how many people you could fit into a very small space. Um, and then off, off the side of that stand as well, another little beautiful thing, again, because it's pointed out in the book, it's not something I'd ever been aware of until you'd written about it, was uh, recounting the stories of, of having the, the Lowfields upper stand and the glass ends to it and then terraces behind it. So people mm. used to have to kind of peer through the glass to yeah. see the see the ground and obviously you know they're not going up there cleaning the windows every week are they yeah. um, so you're kind of having to look through the grime if you happen to be in the corner behind the, the glass I always loved a feature of Ellen Road I loved um, was the grass banks on either side of the, the old low fields and it was I think it was the only ground I could I can ever think of that's got grass anywhere other than on the pitch yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in clear view I mean it, for, for years it was, the, it was the, the first thing you saw on TV because you know the TV cameras were facing that way and um and it was just just two grass hills in the middle of a stand. Yeah, because they just capped off the ends of the old. Um, yeah. One, on one side on the cop end, the terracing, and then obviously the Lowfield stand got chopped off when they moved it all over yeah. towards the cop. And and there's just the grass banks, which I, again reminds me of of childhood. And yeah, I never thought about it in the context that you don't ever see grass hills inside football stadiums in the it's relatively modern unusual, era. Yeah. 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 You just you just made me think actually, if they redevelop the West. We might see Ellen Road on TV from a different angle for a while, which will, will completely throw me. Yeah, I yeah. can't. I can't imagine it being filmed from the east as a permanent solution. The only time I can think that they did that was that Sampdoria game in the Makita mm. tournament when they were building the east stand. For some reason, they they put the cameras in there. Um, but when the season started, they put them back in the west. Um, so yeah, that would be very disorientating. Maybe were they, were they up do, upgrading the gantry or something like that? Maybe, maybe yeah, yeah, maybe because that was one thing when we've been watching. Um, some of the games for the Matchball 30 that we do for uh, from 1990 and 1991, some of the camera angles are slightly off-centre. They're just maybe slightly over towards the tunnel instead of bang on the halfway line, which I, I found quite jarring when I noticed it. So it has happened. It's just that we tend not to notice it. Mm. I mean, the, the, the gantry um, is apparently a feature that's quite well-renowned within the game because it, there's very few grounds where you get that, that kind of viewpoint. Um, and it is a if anyone's ever lucky enough to get up there, it's, it's an incredible way to watch a game. Um, but in terms of media facilities, there's not many grounds that have got that kind of thing, not literally in the roof of the stand. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Adam Pope mentioned it a few times, and Tom Kerwin have, have said that, you know, people come here just, just to sit on the gantry because it's, you know, in, in some grounds you just sat in a pokey little seat in the middle of everyone else, you know. Oh, um, right, I never realised it was so unique in that fashion. Yeah, apparently, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and obviously our own Moscow would... Uh... If he was here, we'd be ringing the uh, the gantry gong bell because we mentioned the <laughs> gantry because he's he's managed to get up there. But yeah, he's he's always said to be fair, it gives you a, a really good uh, a really good viewpoint. But no, I'd, I'd never realised it it was that unique in that sense. And there's obviously the, uh, the the slightly frightening experience of getting up there on a ladder 
so yeah. in, the, in the olden days. Yeah, I mean, you're literally banging your head on the rafters and there's bits of flaky metal come down. <laughs> Some lead paint. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, there was asbestos, asbestos in that roof it, for well, a long yeah, time, wasn't there? don't like to talk about that, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you, you go up there and there's wires, wires upon wires and they haven't ripped stuff out over the years. They've just put stuff on top of it. And um, I was lucky enough to go up during, during the making of this book. I had a quick tour. And uh, just to see the kind of new facilities they've got, and that you know there are some some new facilities, but there's a lot a lot of the old facilities just sort of <laughs> no, you just ignore that kind of thing. You know? <laughs> Don't look at that. Come over here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a lot of that, so which is great. When the 49ers did their um, their share purchase recently, Parag Marate, who's now the vice chair, vice president, whatever it is of uh, of Leeds United, he spoke of retaining the soul of Ellen Road as they redevelop it. How, how do they do that? And we spoke about the blue facade. What else can they do? Hmm. Tough one, isn't it? Yeah. How do you do it with a brand new concrete structure that will have much better leg room? I mean, because part of the charm of Ellen Road is getting your shins destroyed when there's a goal goes in or complaining yeah. about the East Stand Lower. I mean, uh, I, the East Stand Lower has still got the original concrete from the yeah, Lowfields exactly. Terrace, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah, the, um, the seats on the the East Stand, have, for cup games, I've, I've relocated there. And the, the seats in the bottom bit where the terracing used to be, you've actually got more leg room there than you have further up. The, the, the leg room further up is well that's where my, my seat is yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thankfully I'm, I'm of long of back and short of leg so uh, and I'm at the end of a row so it's alright so I can kind of just drag my uh, trail my leg out into the into the uh, into the gangway a little bit and trip people up but, um, my seat in the northwest corner is wooden um, which is probably again unique in the Premier League I'd imagine uh, so I quite, I quite I'm quite attached to my wooden seat so they could do stuff like that but yeah it's difficult I mean you know the catering is still pretty uh 1980s, isn't it? So they could maybe retain some of that. But I remember for uh, years they sold, they still sold burgers in in bag, in the um, football in the Yorkshire Rose bags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was yeah. it, we'd had the new crest for about ten years by this point, and you could still get a burger in the old one, and you thought, Jesus Christ, where has <laughs> where has that been sat? It's been, they must yeah. have had a, like a million of these sat in the catacombs of the East Stand, and they're still trying to drag them up every week. How many times has this been cooked? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and whatever's in the in the make making of the bags that's been outlawed since. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so how did they do? How did they do it then? What what's the what's the essence of Ellen Road that we need to to capture and to keep as this gets? I mean, the, the, people talk about the acoustics, and um, depends where you sit in the ground. But certainly when you sit in the West Stand, um, the acoustics coming from all sides seems to be fairly unique at Ellen Road in terms of the bowl that's been created. So you still you need to retain the acoustics somehow. But how you do that in a bigger stadium? Well, but you can do it with angling the roofs down and stuff, can't yeah, you? Yeah, um, scientific and, ways you can do it, I'm sure. But it, is, isn't it more than that? Isn't it something more, don't you need something more tangible, something to look at? And and mm. but again, that's what, this is what I, I don't quite get. This is the, the circle we've got to square is is retaining. What, what do we retain? What's the thing that we need to capture? Mm. I think what I like about the cop, which you lack in a lot of modern ground, is that it feels really tight and it's because they've adapted an old stadium for seating, but it feels like you're right. There's not really any, there's not much leg room and you're really close up to the people next to you. To the extent where, like, if you happen to be sat next to some fairly big people, you're just completely squashed, and you like your, knee, your knees are together. Yeah, but I think that is part of what I like about it. When I've, yeah. like, when I've been to to Arsenal, you score a goal, and you don't naturally kind of fall into anyone's arms because there's loads of room around <laughs> yeah. you, and you've got you've got about a meter to the seat in front, and it just feels a bit like you you're celebrating in a little bubble. Yeah. I quite like it, Ellen Road, that you there's a bit of a surge when you know a goal a goal's about to go in, and then when it does, there's like a there's a natural grabbing and piling on of people which I know in, in these times is an, an odd thing to want mm. but 
I do miss that. You, and, you, you, and you I, want to come home with grazes on your shins, don't you, and bruises a couple of days later. Which mm. is, I think is very <clears> difficult probably to explain to an American investor yeah. that, no, I like that bit. You don't want it to be like a visit to the theatre, do you? You don't, you don't really want comfort. You, you want functionality, really. You, you, yeah. you want it to retain that. So, yeah, I don't mind being a bit uncomfortable at the, at the football. Someone yeah. says you can have a hot dog in your seat. It's like, yeah, but what I really want is a sweaty man dropping on my head. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's what the experience is all about. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it, you tapped into that when you um, wrote the bit in the book about lamenting the old stairways at the back of the cop that led... Mm. But it's where the cop bars are now, aren't they? Like yeah, they yeah. cap the stairs off and it's where yeah. the, the upstairs level one cop bars are. But they used to be, when it was terracing, um, an exit slash entrance, back left, back right, to allow people to get out. Because you've got the famous, is it four white ones across the middle yeah. at the minute? And then you had two, one in each corner at the back. Mm. And I remember as a kid going, going down those and it's that thrilling sensation of your feet not touching the ground that you mention yeah. in the book, which again, terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. <laughs> when you look back on it as an adult, and the health and safety implications, and we now know how unsafe grounds were with these massive terraces. That yeah, stick a stairway in there, that'll be fine. Um, it's um, it's a crazy thought, isn't it? That you kind of you lament the loss of the dangerous things. Yeah, is it? I mean, when we talk about you know, you want an element of danger at a ground. We're not we're not talking about flouting health and safety laws or anything like that. You know, or creating a death trap. Um, but yeah, there's an, there's a, there's an always always an element of intrigue and and you know it was a bit of an escape basically from everyday life and you you, you want it to be like that so I mean, yeah you don't you don't want a nice armchair to sit in you want a wooden seat but if ever there was a side of the ground to stick a big roomy i don't know um more sterile environment it's the west side isn't it because that's the more sedate standard yeah, Ellen road so I, i'm fine with that you know like i said earlier i don't feel there'll be many paying customers in in the west stand as in terms of regular fans when it when it's eventually finished apart from if they keep away fans in there so yeah, keep that separate. Um, but the rest of Ellen Road needs to be quite uncomfortable and intimidating. <laughs> you know? I think there can be something for everyone. That's the thing. I remember when yeah. Bates changed the the pricing in the in the family stand. Some people moved to the cop, and I think that changed the nature of the mm. cop slightly because you ended yeah. you ended up with people in there who actually kind of wanted to be sat in the east stand, but they didn't want to pay the east stand price, and yeah. it changed the became fa- a bit more. Yeah, we, we we moved to the northeast corner for that reason, and it changed the yeah. fabric of the yeah. ground. And I think if if you can know that yes, you can go over there and you can sit. And you can go over here and you can stand and you can go over there and you can stand and make a lot of noise. It's just, there's a, if there's something for everyone, well, that people, was... people find their place in the ground. And I guess that's when something's redeveloped, maybe that's where, where you struggle in a new stadium, particularly one that's more like a bowl. So there's not distinct ends to it is where you fit within that. Yeah. yeah. I think that they should be able to still retain that. I mean, the, the cop, if say that is a single tier, much bigger stand, that will still be the popular end for that type of person to, to, that type of fantasy. Yeah, that, that was my and, next and, question. And the actually, South Stand yeah. would be as well, you know. What, what what sort of a realignment, and when I say realignment, I don't mean physically moving it, but yeah, I was going to ask, where do we see the supporters gravitating towards? Because suddenly if you have that, do you think it might pull something away from the South Stand and make that um, no, less so. vocal? I don't think so. The South Stand's developed its own identity in recent years. Like I, if it's been 10 years ago, I probably want to be in the South Stand, but now I go to games and I generally drive because we're doing this and I've got magazines and stuff, so... I think I'm too sober to go in the South Stand looking yeah. at it. And the <laughs> cops the cops are about right for me because yeah. it's like, I want to be able to sing and I want it to be raucous, but I'm not quite drunk enough yeah. to, to be... I mean, I, I'm not always sober enough to, to, to have that, but um, but I'm quite happy to sit down nowadays and just watch it from a different viewpoint. But yeah, hats off to the people who, who 
the guys who started the South Stand movement because at a vital time, it really sort of kept people together and it sort of built up and built up and now we've got a period of success. So, And you think how we went from the South Stand being closed to yeah. what it is now and I don't know, it, that the time of that being shut and the East Stand Up were being shut, I just think of them as really, like, it was probably the most depressing time at Ellen Road when mm. it felt like we were just, we were shrinking the fan base to the extent that we were just going, well, we don't need that anymore don't need that anymore and it felt like what's the logical conclusion of this are we all going to be in the cop at some point and they're just yeah. going to go well the rest of it we're going to put a hotel there it does, it's it probably does. more profitable it goes to show the importance of the football team and that's what always got me about Ken Bates was that he never seemed to care enough about the football it was always mm. doing just about enough but look at how far down our attendance is eroded with what was crap football or at least a crap level even if the football itself was good we were you know league one level yeah. um, getting charged ridiculous prices paying through the nose to sit through an experience which wasn't a great deal of fun versus what we've seen now you know at the opposite end of the scale and the demand that's, that sees 20,000 people on a season ticket waiting list yeah. plus you know that, that's on top of the 23 and a half thousand we've got now I mean imagine Leeds having you know 45,000 season ticket holders 45,000 because traditionally we've never been a massively supported club but and that's kind of at the root of what everyone says when they say we don't need a stadium that big. But actually, we probably do. In the mm. modern Premier League era, that's the way that things are going. Yeah, I mean, people say, you know, in in the, in the middle of our last Premier League um, tenure, if you like, uh, there were there were the, we weren't selling out every week. But I think the product is different now, and the way the Premier League is sold now is different. It's more global. Uh, there will be there will be people if we've got capacity there will be coming people coming from all over the world on day trips to 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 visit Elland Road i mean there are now anyway but there'll yeah. be more you know um so maybe i don't know if 60,000 is maybe pushing it a little bit but um you know i, I think you would sell out every week at 50,000 yeah you look at other easily. other other grounds from that era as well you know Old Trafford was about half the size it is now Newcastle's yeah. massively expanded Arsenal obviously moved and added 20 odd thousand Spurs of yeah. It's kind of doubled theirs. You know, West Ham is... as well. West Ham have got the capacity now. Shit stadium, but you know. Yeah, but you know the the demand overall has has obviously increased from that period because no one was selling out that consistently. Yeah. Were they in the mid nineties? But what I, what I do like about what they said this week is that that, that they're talking about you know we're going to wait two or three years to become established, so we know that we 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 need that demand. We need to fill that demand. Sorry, um, and uh, the forty nines are saying the same thing. Is that we you know we want to build a legacy that's going to last. 20, 30, 40 years, you know, then it'd be easy to say, well, let's still build a big stand now, you know, and, but we don't, we don't need it now. Um, we need it in a couple of years. So mm. they're still being quite measured in, and, uh, you know, based on Leicester City and this kind of thing. So it's, it's fairly sensible. The, the idea of Premier League tourists when, if and when the world gets back to normal coming in, I actually quite like it. A lot of people hate the idea of Premier League tourists, but I like it. I, I like to think that Leeds United as an experience is uh, is enticing enough to make people want to come. And I imagine if they were to come now, they'd go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a certain, a certain romance in thinking it's the people who've always been there. But as we were saying, like I was in the ground with a, a shut south stand and a shut east upper, and it wasn't fun, was it? No. They, no. Were, they were shit times, let's yeah. be honest, because no, the atmosphere was, at worst, it was poisonous because everyone, everyone in there was pissed off at having to be in there. And the state of it all. So when it, when things were going badly, it was not fun. No. And occasionally you got games where you had a little reminder of how good it could be. But the best times at Ellen Road are when it's full. Yeah, it's like when they did ticket ticket promotions where you could bring a friend or something. I can 
could never get rid of him. So you could never get anyone to come. Yeah. You just didn't want which, to. which friend do you hate most? Yeah, exactly. So why would I want to do that? Where, where yeah. would you put the tourists then? In, in a new built West Stand maybe? Get them in there? Yeah, I think that's... 90 that, quid ahead? Yeah. Keep it cheap for the rest of us? That's what Liverpool do. <laughs> yeah, if it's good enough for them, let's do it. Yeah, why not set, yeah, set your sights but high? I think, I think you know, the 20,000 waiting list is, you know, you, you need to look after those people first, but... Um, it shows that there is demand, but that demand can quite quickly disappear, you know, depending on how we're doing. So. And that's actually the thing that um, that encourages me, and it's it's what you just referred to there, John, with what the 49ers have said, they're, they're going to wait a couple of years to make sure the demand is there. That encourages me that they understand the value of having a good team. And we, we've seen, you know, in the demonstration of what they've done in the transfer market last summer by spending 100 million quid and financially exposing the club to a certain extent, that they're prepared to do that and they understand that it has to be a good football team that, that takes to Ellen Road. Otherwise, the rest of it is pointless. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it'd be very easy for them to come in and say, we're going to be the next Man City, you know, and and, and Leeds, all jokes aside, have got that kind of potential, really. Um, but they're looking at a more sustainable model of, you know, building it a bit more gradually. Um, and it, it must be very frustrating at the moment because... A lot of the, I mean, the 49ers have been on board since, what, 2018, two and a half years, something like that. And they're still sort of talking about an informal arrangement where they're sort of lending expertise. But so there must be a lot of plans they've been talking about, which they could, just can't put into fruition because A, we didn't have the finances in the championship and B, now we haven't got any kind of corporate, uh, you know, income at all. So um, <clears throat> I'd imagine as soon as fans come back in, we will see a lot of change in terms of hospitality and that kind of Question for you both then about a redeveloped Ellen Road. Um, put yourself in this position. So let's assume they do rebuild west, northwest corner, round to the cop, round to the northeast corner. John, you're in the northeast corner on your wooden seat. Northwest. Northwest, sorry. Yeah. Would you um, would you sit there in the new stand, in the new configuration, or would you look to move? I would probably try and stay where I am. I do like the angle of where we watch the games. But yeah, I wouldn't want to sit in the West End if it's going the way we've been talking about. I wouldn't want to be included in that uh, that group of fans. But um, it's all, yeah, I think I would probably stay where I am, what even if you? it's plastic. What about you? Yeah, I'd stay the same. Unless the, they somehow made the cop more, they took the opportunity to develop it and make it somehow more corporate and put a line of boxes in or something and it, it changed the, the vibe of it, then I might I might move South Stand. But I yeah, don't, I, don't I don't see any I reason to I move. don't think the demographics of people in each stand would change that much you know because that, that was the question that was making yeah. you know re- referring to with michael is like would we see this kind of shifting of people because you'd, you'd have to see some wouldn't you because there's going to be people in the rest of ellen road who go fancy a bit of that that looks nice because you know we kind of like the, the grubby shin bashers yeah. uh past the ground but there's gonna be people who are, who are attracted to the new you know leg room and uh and plenty of space and cheese bar or whatever i feel like it's it's kind of a nice bit about supporting a team who's graduating from one bit of the ground to the other as well because mm. I used to as you did Dan used to be in the family stand and I used to always look at the cop and think oh, it looks great in there because it was good I used to like the family stand because I was like I was obviously a child and with my dad and stuff and that was and it was kind of it was, I mean, it was a really good spot to watch the game from because it was actually far more so than the cop it was actually a good view of the pitch mm. but I used to look at the cop and think yeah fancy a bit of that and now as I approach 40 I look at the, I look at the, a bit like John I look to the corners and think could mm. fancy a bit of that. Close, yeah. close to the cop, but I can sit down. There'll be a seat next to me for you, Michael, at some <laughs> point. But, but yeah, I was exactly the same because I, I had a great season ticket in the cop all the way through the Champions League years and then into League One as well. Um, and I thought, when I got that, I thought, well, I'm never going to sit anywhere else. This is fantastic. 
but you you do sort of move on and uh i really like where i am now so but i don't yeah i don't think i'll gravitate into the west end to be honest. get that blanket for your legs <laughs> yeah exactly yeah take a flask for half time and that kind of stuff but um no i can't see that happening well it'll be interesting to see how it all does develop and mm. you can chart the history of ellen roads in the only place for us a to z of ellen road written by john howe a uh, new edition comes out on 1st of March 2021 or before that, if you're hearing this before that, because this is going to be time to come out with the uh, with the relaunch of the book. So fingers crossed they get it distributed for you um, soon. And like I said, I, I spent hours on it last night. It's a fantastic read and it made me feel nostalgic and optimistic and hopeful. And it was very, just very, very entertaining. So nice work on the book. Thank you. Okay. Um, you can get your signed copy from the squareball.net. We're selling uh, copies of the updated version on there and uh, check it out. In, uh, in bookshops, the only place for us, the A to Z of Ellen Road by John Howe. Get it now. And thanks for listening to this. We'll catch up with you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. 